Back here on a Tuesday afternoon. Three hours with you. Three big ones. Hey, three big ones all week. We're not going to be taking any time off here on Sports Talk. Thanks to the Chihuahuas. How about the news? Mike Clevenger's joining the team right now. Why does wow. it seem like they always get the big guys when they're on the road? Yeah. They, why couldn't this happen when they were here at home this I past know. weekend? Southwest University Park. You could watch Mike Clevenger. Man, that would have been so cool. Watch. Fernando Tatis Jr. will be there on some road trip and no, just like, you know, casually join the team. And then uh, I, I, it's crazy. Now, I've got a feeling Tatis is going to need more than a week's worth of games. With El Paso. Yeah, but that's the worrying part, Steve. It's a, it's like a six-game series. You include the travel day. That's a lot of time right there. Like, if you're talking about a, a, an away series or something for the Chihuahuas, mm-hmm. I'm just worried. I don't want to manifest anything out there. I want to manifest uh, Fernando Tatis coming to play at Southwest University Park. I know. I know. I hear you on that one. I do. I want to see it, too. He never came the first time. He went right to the bigs. This is like the only time we get to see Tatis. It's a it's pretty amazing that we got a chance to even see Mackenzie Gore the way that they handle their prospects at times. I think he's coming back. They have too many arms. Yeah. When Clevenger's ready, what are they gonna do? They have to put somebody back down. It's probably gonna be Gore. Too many cooks in the kitchen right now. They do. They do. So anyway. Um all right. We got a ton to cover on the show today. Great to have you with us. Six hundred ESPN El Paso, nine one five five oh five six zero zero nine. That's the number. 505-600 and the number nine. Hanging nine, number nine, upside down six. Whatever you want to call it. Hey, 505-6009 gets you through to the program. Oops. Sorry about that. My I forgot about our on. old number. I don't even remember it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Perfect. Um, Let's see here. So where do we start? Oh, I know. The UTEP basketball roster. Okay, um, I know. People are freaking out. I don't want to say we told you so, but we told you so. We told you over a month ago this was going to happen. We predicted mass exodus because that's what we were hearing. I thought there was a chance Jamal Biennemi was staying. Actually, I thought Jamal Biennemi was staying. I'm not going to lie to you. That whole decision to go pro was a shocker to me. That was not one we expected, okay? But Kennedy, we expected. Anybody who wants to get honored on senior day when he's a sophomore, yeah, that was probably something we expected, and it happened. All right? So that we knew. We heard about Titus, not surprised there. Boom, We weren't 100% sure, but that was another name that was thrown out there. So, Adrian, I think here's the deal. I think um, some of the vets, when they realized that, you know, they were going to essentially be by themselves with a whole new supporting cast, maybe they weren't as enthusiastic about coming back as they would have been beforehand. Like, if Boom was still here, maybe that would have changed um, you know, thought process for, for Keontae Kennedy. Or maybe if the enemy comes back, boom, comes back. I mean, who knows what would have gone into it. But, you know, I wrote about the domino effect because it's true. When one went, the other went. Then the other went. The other went. Um, you got to realize there are two types of players in the portal for UTEP. There are those that the coaching staff realized – 
were not going to get it done as scholarship players next season. And they had to go to the portal because they needed those scholarships to replace them. And there are the uh, the flip side, players that could have helped them, but have decided after probably watching what Bryson Williams and all of their other buddies around college basketball are doing, that the grass is green or someplace else. And, and that, in, in a sense, in a nutshell, is why there are only three players on the roster from last season that are still here. Onyema, Sibley, and Kalu. And by the way, all three of those will be full scholarship players. In case you're wondering, Onyema was a walk-on the first couple of years. Not anymore. Now he's a full scholarship player. So, three there. They signed four already, okay? You have uh, Jamal Sumlin, the high school guard out of Cleveland. Derek Hamilton, the uh, 6'10 forward center, whatever you want to call him, out of uh, Louisiana, Juco. Then you have... Um, Jonathan Dos Anjos, the 6'7 forward, who I think was originally a Loyola Marymount player and then went Juco and had a very good year, and he's on board. And then the final guy is Mario McKinney Jr., who transferred over here to UTEP from New Mexico State. Adrian, I am so proud that I did that all without looking at an article. <laughs> I just did that right off the top of my head, which means I'm thinking about this. It means That's I'm, right. That means it's on my mind. I've been engulfed, just like the new phone number. I'm trying to you know, get rid of that 880 number for good, and I'm same thing with UTEP. So they have seven right now on scholarship, seven. You can have up to 13, which means they have six spots Remaining, okay? Six spots. And of those six, here's a good poll question for you you should put up right now. How many starters does UTEP still need to go and sign? That is a great poll question. Because they have seven players on the roster right now. Scholarship guys. Six remaining. Of the seven that are currently locked and loaded, How many do you believe right now are starters if the 2022-23 season were to begin? Do you have five starters? Four, three, two, one, zero? How many do you have? Adrian, if I had to go out on a limb, the only lock is Sibley. I think Jamari Sibley's starting based on last season. I think that's a a no-brainer. So I think Jamari Sibley is in the rotation. That's one. Of the other six guys that they've brought in, I think, and I haven't seen him play, so I don't know, I think Dos Anjos might very well be a starter to begin the year based on his Juco production and what I've heard about him. But I still think they've got three to go three starters to sign of the six, and maybe it's four. I mean, who knows? So that's at least where I would be right now uh, if I'm the UTEP coaching staff here on the 19th day of April 2022.
Yeah, it's hard to argue anybody else because they simply haven't done it at the Division One level. You don't have a lot of experience returning now. That's the biggest thing. Like, how can UTEP, which has already um, gone out and tried to recruit depth and players that they can work on, guys like Derek Hamilton, Jamal Sumlin, who's a high school guy. Uh, I don't think Mario McKinney Jr. fits in that category, but he might still play more of a Christian Agnew or Jarrell Satterfield type of role this year, at least in year one. Who knows? Who, who knows if that's the case or not? But what I'm trying to get at is, with this UTEP basketball team and how it's constructed, I get why the fans are upset. The, the, the biggest losers today is are the fans, and the fans are, you know, they latch themselves onto guys like Sule Boom, Bryson Williams, Keontae Kennedy. The list goes on and on. They latch themselves onto these players, and they get super disappointed once that player decides to leave. And unfortunately, if you have that same mindset, you're going to be really disappointed every April. Every month of April or the month of March, uh, every year around, you're going to be very disappointed if that's the case. So you have to go back to the bread and butter, and that's the recruiting aspect of it, which we're trying to talk about right here. I still think UTEP is lacking size. They're lacking shooting. They're lacking a perimeter presence. They're lacking uh, skilled defensive players and experience. They, they still have a lot to address on this roster. They ha- they hosted a good group of recruits over last weekend, and they are set to re- host some uh, you know good recruits this weekend. Uh, this weekend, but we need to start to see commits to uh, come to start evaluating this recruiting class because players are getting snatched up left and right. They are. They are. Um, it's so interesting because college basketball has changed. It's completely changed. A 180, thanks to the portal and the NIL uh, in the last you know, 20, uh, 12 to, to, to 24 months. Totally different era of college basketball. And you either, you either sink or you swim, right? That's just the way it is. It's two seasons right now. It's your first season, which is your actual playing season, and then it's the recruiting season, which you have to treat as a season in itself. You have to go into these battles against other programs who are getting in your current players' ears and players' ears that you're trying to get to your school. Like You might promise somebody the world, and that player might say, yes, I'm I'm committed to you, I'm going, and then they might turn around because somebody else got in their ear and promised something even better. So this is a a really competitive field right now and a competitive landscape to say the least for college basketball and UTEP has to find a way to fit themselves into this mix and Joe Golding with this staff they will find an identity that they're going to have to continue to build on and try to you know build a program here. Now I definitely want to hear from fans today on the phones and on Twitter. That is what I want to hear. I want to hear from all of you okay. Now um UTEP, this coaching staff is not worried. They are not worried within the slightest. In fact, um, I can tell you this, Joe Golding and the coaching staff, uh, they they believe 100% they're getting it done. So they're out recruiting right now. They know what they have. They know they have 11 days because that's the the amount of time with the portal uh, that you have to ultimately, you know, land players to be eligible immediately this upcoming season. If you get them after May 1st, then they have to sit out a year. But if you get somebody in the portal now and you sign them up, then you're good to go. But here's my thing too, Adrian, okay? You give a you give a laundry list of needs that this team has, okay? But with six spots left and of the six, three or four have to be starting caliber players, you have to be extremely careful 
with each of these remaining scholarships about who you offer and what needs you fill. You cannot just fill to fill at this point. Otherwise, they're going to win five games and it's going to be a miserable season. You have to make sure that of these six remaining scholarships, each of them carefully thought out positions, um, character guys, roles, uh, eligibility, whatever. You got to really do it because it seems to me like what UTEP has has brought in so far, okay, is mostly depth guys right now. I think McKinney can be a sixth man a la Christian Agnew. Um, and I hear he jumps out of the building and is one of the most athletic, freakish athletes you will ever see. So that's good news. It really is. I definitely think Mario McKinney Jr. is going to have a major role on this team. Um, I definitely think Dos Anjos will. But I don't know yet about the 6'10 big man. I also think the freshman guard from Cleveland is not necessarily an instant contributor. And then you got the three guys coming back. I like Z, but he's not ready to be thrust into a 25-30 minute a game role. Sibley's going to play a lot, and he's going to get better and better. Kalu didn't even play in conference action. I mean, he's another guy that I loved what I saw early on when they were playing uh, non-conference games, but when that schedule started to tighten up, you never saw Kevin Kalu. So now you got to make sure that you can get guys of the six that can come in here and be instant impact players. You know, with uh, this UTEP basketball team, the way it's built right now, uh, I think you have a lot of guys with upside. Like, you're you're looking at this roster and you think, yeah, this guy could be this. Kevin Kalou could be a guy who averages 10 rebounds a game at some point in his career and could be a great player on the defensive side of the ball, especially in Conference USA. Mario McKinney Jr. could help lead a backcourt or could be a great piece off the bench. And Jonathan Dosanjos proved it at, at JUCO. He could do it at the Division One level in terms of scoring in his all-around game, but they're not proven at the Division One level. That's where I still go back, and I think you have to get guys who have solidified their their career, whether it's at the Division One level or what, whatever. But they have Power Five, mid-major, whatever. They have yeah. they need guys with experience, guys who've scored at this kind of level. I agree with you. Um, Minor Joe wants to know what happened to Shea Evans. He also went into the portal today, by the way. Uh, what I heard about Shea Evans was this, okay? He never officially was given a scholarship for UTEP, paid his own way this semester, and it was almost as if, come on down, work out with the team, we'll, we'll see what it's like, and we'll go from there. And from what I heard, Shea Evans was not going to cut it at UTEP. That's as simple as that. I heard uh, that he lacked on defense and was really raw and was considered a bit of a project, and UTEP couldn't gamble on a guy like that right now. They need impact players. They don't need right now a lot of projects. I mean, they have, they have enough of those guys on the roster. So, to me, that's what I heard. And, again, that's not confirmed, that, but that's the one thing I heard was that Shea Evans wasn't ready. And it just goes to show you, okay, three-star, four-star, five-star, who cares? You, you, you could be a no-star. you got to be able to play. That's the key. you got to come in right now and play. Otherwise, in this college basketball world, 
you're useless if you if you can't play because of all the turnover you get on a yearly basis. Yeah, it seems like everybody, every recruit that you're going to get was a top 50 guy at some point in their life. Like it, it just seems like that always comes with every recruit that you're seeing across college basketball. I look at UAB, and I want to hold UTEP to this standard where they get LSU basketball transfer Eric Gaines. That's what it takes to win a conference championship right there. You have to go into these recruiting battles against the Power 5 schools and try to get yourself a guy like Eric Gaines, who by the way was a, a really good player in the SEC yep. this past season. So that's a, that's an example. Real quick, Mike Cuviello said that this was a waste of everybody's time talking about Shea Evans. He thought that uh, you know it was a waste of UTEP's time to bring him in and for Shea Evans it was a waste of time for him to even stay at UTEP. I couldn't disagree with that statement even like more because this was not a wasted experiment. They got a chance to bring him in evaluate him for three months in practice and as he was on the scout team and then make the decision on whether or not they wanted to keep Shea Evans without having to give him a scholarship right right it was the perfect situation I mean it couldn't have been a better situation for you Tab yeah it made sense it made of course it made sense you know what would have been a nightmare if they would have given him a scholarship and now they're in a really bad spot yep and promised him a role like a starting exactly exactly that would have been a mess so, Shay, I want to get to you. I've got tweets to get to, including Miss Stephanie, who has, um, like Groundhog Day, come out and uh, sent Twitter on fire for her first tweet in months. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, let's go to Charlie One. Started off right with this traffic update. Continue here on Sports Talk. You can tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso. Get to the phones as well, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. I want to read the tweets. I also want to get, though, to our main man, Shay, who's been hanging on since um, first segment. So let's get to Shay, then we'll read some tweets as we continue on the show. Shay, well, thanks for waiting. What's going on, man? How are you? No, I just wanted to weigh in on the, this NIL stuff because it is it is as a fan of a of a low major or not a low major but a mid major conference. Uh, you know, it's frustrating for us to to have to to live through this era. But just some thoughts on it. You know, I read that article today in the Athletic that says uh, five star players are now worth over a million dollars. That's what's going to take to sign them, four, especially quarterbacks. Uh, you know, four star players are worth six figures, and, and where this is going is absolutely ridiculous because the NCAA has lost all their their bite in this game because they have no control over anything. They used to find coaches for handing out a t-shirt to a recruit and now with all the TV money with NIL deals, the NCAA has has no uh, fight in this and they can't fight back. So, you know, I'm I'm wondering at what point do they try to get some leverage back? And one of the ideas I I think uh they should do is uh, you know, Tell a student athlete you get you get one full ride. You know, as a, as a father of two kids in college right now, you get one full ride, and then after that, you get fifty percent. So you, if you want to use that full ride at UTEP, or and then when you transfer to your next four or five different colleges over five years, they can't offer you that full ride anymore. They can only offer you a partial scholarship. So I think one thing that, that they could do to fix that. The other thing that I think that's coming, and I don't know when it's coming, but what's going to happen when, like, let's say Texas State, which is right down the street from Austin, when they say, okay, listen, we're partners with you. You send me all your guys. We'll run your offense. We'll run your defense. We'll run your special special teams. You give them the NIL deals. Their freshman year, their sophomore year, we'll develop them, 
and then they'll all move to Austin their, their, their junior year, and then Austin's got an experienced group, you know, at UT, and now you've got like a minor league system between the yep. schools that can't get NIL deals and the schools that are just going crazy with NIL deals. I mean, that could be possible down the road, Shay. You never know. That could be something that ultimately, because think about all the players that Texas recruits. They can't handle them all. So if they start uh, farming down some of their uh, you know, their lesser talent that are still capable of being there in a couple of years. The only downside of that is, is that if you're a farm school, you know, you're always going to be, you know, that, that little brother to, uh, to the big boy, uh, to the big brother. That's just, that's the only hard part about that. But I get what you're saying. I mean, that could be it. Maybe like almost like a junior college situation. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, but here's my thing. Okay. I don't think this NIL situation is going to stay like this forever. I think that what's going to happen is in a couple of years, it's going to wreak so much havoc that they're going to figure out ways to, to change the portal, maybe refine the NIL. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if there starts to be some kind of legislature. Remember, right now it's the Wild West. It's totally new. Players are in total control. They, have, they can do whatever they want. I don't think that's going to stick around forever. I think that sooner or later people are going to get together and they're going to say, you know what, we can't keep playing like this. We can't do this. This is this is not what we signed up for. And maybe then things decide to change a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I just don't know how you know where this is going, or if, if this is a if this is a revolution in college sports, or just a blip on the radar radar yeah. to you know to to wherever it's going to end up. So, all right, thanks, Steve. Good talking to you again. You too, Shay. Take care. 27 pass. Give me your thoughts, Adrian. Yeah, it's real hard to take away any kind of tuition or partial tuition, anything like that, because, Steve, number one, most of these athletes do not come to uh, for their academics. Let's just be honest. They're coming to play basketball. They're coming because they have a dream to play professional basketball. So those high-level recruits yep. right there, they're they're not going to be those guys who are – they're going to care about the things like tuition. They're going to leave after year two or three and just play pro. Plus, what about the athletes – who sign the scholarship and then a year or two later find out that they're not needed anymore and then they're being told to go find another school. Why should they be punished with losing tuition dollars on a secondary transfer because the school that originally took them decided that they're not working out in their plans? Now all of a sudden the athletes are getting the shaft because the the, uh, the school they signed with is throwing them away. You can't do that. Yeah, and I still don't like the, the fact that coaches can leave like in the middle of the season or before a season has even ended or announced those kinds of things that they're moving that all plays into this giving more power to the athlete because how are you going to to restrict an athlete from things like tuition when you're allowing his coach to go out and get a job whenever he wants to upgrade his current job or his job status and things like that it's just giving more power to the player and no one likes it no one across the board likes it the fans hate it more than anybody but for the college basketball players it gives them a lot of power 100 percent. all right tweets are starting to come in 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Let's uh, read a few of these right now, and we'll start with uh, Miss Stephanie, who tweets us for the first time in forever. Uh, transfer portal is making college basketball not fun, she says, until the transfer portal works in our favor. It's like buying scratch-off tickets. You never know what you're going to get. By the way, hi, Steve. Hi, Miss Stephanie. Good to have you back. Um, and, and she's right. It is like um, buying scratch-off tickets. I mean, it's a total mystery. You don't know. You hope you get lucky. Um, but here's the funny thing. There are certain schools that if they have the NIL dollars, 
The transfer portal is going to work absolutely in their favor. And then there's other schools like this one and New Mexico State and every other mid-major where you got to get lucky and you got to ultimately just play year to year. Uh, That's what it's about. It's so interesting. Last week I talked to a um, a Division I basketball head coach, not named Joe Golding, and he told me that the, the, the college basketball that you grew up with is over. It's dead. It's gone. It's changed. Now, here's the new, the new college basketball. You build year to year. That's it. You don't worry about two years from now. You don't worry about three or four years from now. You worry about next season and next season only. Because thanks to the portal and the NIL, there is so much movement around college basketball You can't build a program anymore like you used to. You simply have to play for the now, and this is the new reality that is college hoops. And uh, one of the things that you touched on earlier, but it just needs to be said again, a lot. Of, some of these uh, transfer decisions end up being coaches' decisions. The coach had different plans for that player and doesn't want to maybe entertain that they would be here, you know, at UTEP or anywhere else. And another another thing that a lot of people are saying, well, uh, to your point, Steve, what you're saying right there, it happens across college basketball. Fans here in El Paso will say, well, this happens. This happens at UTEP every year. What's going on right there? Just a quick stat for you, Steve. Since 2017, UTEP has cycled between Tim Floyd, Phil Johnson, Rodney Terry, and now Joe Golding. A lot of turnover as far as your coaches go. Uh, Joe Golding is here for right now, but that's all you can build for. The right now, this year, this specific year. And you can't look anywhere further than that because college basketball as it is right now, it has become AAU. And in the AAU ranks, you get to choose your team every year. You get to decide who you want to play for every year. That's 100% correct. 100% correct when you're talking about it. Now, um... Once again, what's that? Breaking news. Oh, my God. Well, let's just do this. Let's get to breaking news uh, during SportsCenter. How about that? Here let's he is. It. Adrian with some breaking news. 32 past the hour as we continue. Hey, Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, we'll get to John in a moment. More tweets coming in. Pinky tweets the show. Everyone used to criticize Kentucky for recruiting a one-and-done year for most players. That's what is now happening in college basketball. The only difference is is that their one-and-dones are going to the NBA. I mean, they weren't transferring away from Kentucky. They were just so good, they were NBA-bound after one year, uh, or two years for that matter. That's what Cal – but it's the truth. Cal's been doing this forever, from his Memphis days. This is what John Calipari – that's the kind of athlete he's been recruiting. Now, teams are having to deal with one-and-dones, not because of the NBA, but because of the transfer portal. Yeah, they're leaving the portal, they're going to somewhere else, and they always think that the grass is greener on the other side, which sometimes it ends up being the case, sometimes it doesn't, and and sometimes that move that the college uh, player ends up making ends up being a, a big regret. It worked out for guys like Bryson Williams, who started Texas Tech, Anthony Tark, who uh, played a very, very good season at Coppin State, FEO DG, who started at Troy, but it didn't work for other guys who played for the minors and had good numbers, like Nigel Hawkins and Jordan Lathan, so I I feel like it's kind of a 50-50 split on what, you know, the success rate when you end up transferring to. I am fascinated with the Jabari Rice news. I want to get to that in a moment. But also, let me just say this. Keontae Kennedy went on Twitter today to announce his decision to go into the portal. Don't start throwing nasty responses on social media at the guy. Don't do that. 
guy was here for three years, all right? I mean, they don't deserve that. It's it's such a bad look. It really is. I mean, it's a terrible look for UTEP fans to start either going in the guy's DMs or going and replying and, and throwing all this crap at him. Don't do that. Stay classy for crying out loud. I mean, UTEP's no different than anybody else right now in college sports. So it's it's just a bad look. And I know and I've heard fans have been doing that since this afternoon. Let the guy listen. Keontae was somebody just like uh just like Boom, just like Titus, just like Bienemy, just like Agnew. Hey, spent a lot of time here, all right? A lot of time. And you want to know something? Had some really good moments and gave people excitement. Don't don't do that. Don't be that fan. These Come on. The fans who are in his DMs right now and, and on social media putting it publicly uh, are the same fans who are going to retweet that dunk highlight video that he posted. So I, I, just, I just don't understand this uh, the, these ideas by UTEP fans. I get it. This is frustrating to a, a point where you've gotten to this point right here where you feel the need to do this, but don't do that. These players can see this. They're humans at the end of the day. And also, you know who follows a lot of these athletes? Other athletes. And if they see that minor fans... Uh, like to talk smack to guys who end up entering the portal. Yeah, that's not a good look whatsoever. No, it's not because when they tell their buddies, "Hey, be care- you know, watch out for UTEP because the fans are vicious and they'll get you when you leave." I mean, some uh, some athletes don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, they want to be at a place where it's very low key and, right. and w- away from all those distractions. Exactly. So just be careful what you're doing. And 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 those of you, you know, who you are. Come on, there's no there's no need to do that. Why take why take a shot at somebody like that, especially when they've been here for a while and they've given you some they've given you some good moments. Wish them the best of luck, and that's the end of that. Because guess what, you're going to be doing this every year. So what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, what the point of Jabari Rice is going to Texas, going to play for Chris Beard. This surprised me a little bit. I heard that Texas was very active with both um, Sule and Jabari. I don't think they're taking both guys. So maybe they knew that um, maybe they knew Sule was looking elsewhere and, and they decided to just put their focus on Jabari Rice. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And for Jabari Rice, he's from Houston. Uh, he it's it's a familiar territory in a sense because he gets to stay in his hometown. Uh, Rodney Terry got a chance to watch Sir Jabari Rice uh, many times uh, as the Miners played the Aggies, so he got a first glimpse at what he was able to do on the court. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he led the charge to try to recruit him. Now, I, I'm with you on that, Steve. You know, the sentiment about Sule Boom because uh, I heard some of those same things. Texas is really trying to pursue him. A lot of other teams are pursuing him. He's in the Bay right now evaluating some options and then plans to come back to El Paso next week and maybe make a decision by then. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious if this rules Sule Boom out of the Texas conversation and he might look elsewhere. Who knows? I know Chris Jans wants him in Mississippi State. I mean, yep. that wouldn't be a possibility. That could be a possibility there. We'll see. Yeah, Mark Adams wants him at Texas Tech, too. I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. 38 passed. Here's John joining us next. 505-6009, our telephone number on Sports Talk. What's going on? John, how are you? Nothing much, guys. Man, you guys are uh, hitting every point left and right, left and right. Um, I don't even know where to start, first of all. I'll start on the topic, and then I'll move on to the NBA. Um. First things first, everybody's complaining all these guys are leaving. Um, It has happened here before at UTEP. Everybody transfers, everybody leaves to other schools. And 
I believe it was you, Adrian, who hit it, the nail on the head. If you have a problem with these guys transferring, start with the damn coaches. Because the coaches are the huge problem. This, to me, this free-for-all is a great thing for college basketball right now. Because, for one, it, to the couple of callers ago, he brought up that one point um, about how he thought, you know, how he could try to fix it, how he would fix it. To me, if you're, I think it was his first point that he brought up. If you're going to fix it the way he did it, the NCAA and the universities need to quit raising tuition because that is a big, big problem all across the board in any sport. Because for me, that like I said, I'm for this this way right now. You want to give them full rides? Let them. Let them have it. Because when tuition goes up, they don't get anything out of it. It's still more money out of the kid's pocket going to the university, going for everything but to help the kid with what he needs. And I'm not talking about the educational part. I'm talking about all the other stuff. All right. NBA and playoffs. We know yes. what that is. NBA playoffs. We know Go what ahead. that is. Yes. So until the NCAA fixes at least those two things, which we all know they won't because they're a bunch of hypocrites, stop complaining about the way this is being, doing, being done right now. Yes, everybody wants to go to the big school. Why? Because everybody wants to be on television. Well, okay? they also now want to get paid because the NIL dollars yeah. are making a reality out of that, which wasn't the mm-hmm. case before. Now, look, guys got paid under the table uh, in years past. Now it's legal. Let's put it that way. Yes. No, it is legal. And, and there's been some transfers. I'm going to name one right now. He didn't even go to YouTube or anything, but we all saw it this year if you watched college basketball. Look what Manic did at North Carolina for them this year. Mm-hmm. I think without them, there's no way in hell they would have beat Baylor and gone all the way to the national title game. So, of course, there's going to be guys jumping all over. And back to Manic, I believe he went to Oklahoma or Oklahoma State to North Carolina. So it's not like, you know, he, he went from P5 to P5. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's true. I've I've said this I said this last year I believe and I've said it for a few years on this show. They want to do Power Five autonomy, right? They've been talking about that for how long now? Maybe three, four, five years, maybe even longer than that. I I would be for that too. Just put all the P five schools in one group and all the mid majors in another group like one double A or FCS, whatever it's called now, and let them have their national championship and give the mid majors their national championship. John, I got to uh, move along right a break and uh, I'll get the NBA talk with you tomorrow. So give me a call back then. I've also got uh, coach uh, William Benjamin on the line from Las Cruces. Hi coach. Hang tight. We'll get you right back as we continue 43 pass sports talk at 600 ESPN El Paso. Back as we continue here on sports talk 10 in front of five right now. Let's get back to the phones. 
505-6009. Here he is. Head coach, Las Cruces High, former Aggie great William Benjamin, whose son just committed uh, to New Mexico State as well last week. Coach, thanks for calling in. Appreciate the time. How are you? Hey, man, I'm great. I love listening to you guys' show, man. Don't don't use that word great in my name in the same sentence, man. Oh, a former player. Stop it. Stop it. I'm old enough to actually remember you, so that's good in itself. So at least that memory hasn't left yet. Hey, you've been listening to the conversation. Give me your take on everything you've had a chance to hear regarding uh, the portal and, uh, and and what it's doing around college basketball. Man, you called it. It's, it's, it's the wild, wild west, you know, and it's, and it's throwing – a lot of programs in into some uh, very very tough uh, tough positions, man. When you're talking about only having three kids on a roster, and you only have a certain uh, amount of time to to fill up that roster for for this up and coming season, man, that puts a lot of pressure on 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 new coaches and old coaches, you know. And and especially when you're talking about mid majors like UTEP and and uh, and New Mexico State, um, that's a lot of pressure. You know, that's a lot of pressure um, on on the coaches. And and uh, it's just it's just making for some interesting uh, interesting dynamics at the university with with, with these incoming kids. Now you're 100 percent right, and and I think the hardest part with the transfer portal is you do have a percentage of players where schools ultimately are telling them, look, we don't have a spot for you next year, so you might want to go into the portal and find another place. And then there's those that are the exact opposite. You want to keep them, but they want to go and and find themselves another spot. So really, uh, the portal is twofold, and what's happening is uh, schools are just getting decimated by it on a year to year basis. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how, you know, you have kids that want to leave. I get it. But if I'm a kid who just gets in, uh, you know, and, and say, you know, you have coaches that are telling kids that maybe they should leave because they're going to bring in some other kids from the portal. But if I'm a kid who just got there, I don't understand. What, what's making those kids leave? Yeah. If, if you just brought them in and now you know you're, you're one of three people left on the roster, I would think that would mean you would get more playing time. Unless um, you know the coach's yep. system, yep. You know, um, unless what? Unless, unless what? the coach, unless the coaches know. Well, we missed on you, and it's too difficult to keep guys on a roster that you just think are not going to contribute. So ultimately, you give them the news and just tell them, you know what? You're probably if you're going to want to get playing time, it's probably going to be best to go someplace else. Because, like an example, I'll give you Tep's example: Keza Giffa. They brought him in from France, took a chance on him. He clearly was not ready to play at this level, so he went into the portal. Is going to go probably to a smaller school. Had the UTEP kept him, now you're taking one of your 13 scholarships and you're keeping a guy that you know really is, at best, could be a bench player that gives you 10 minutes a game but is not somebody that's going to be a key contributor. So that's that's the tough part there, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, you know because, because my son just signed. You know, there, there's a... There's a component to this that no one is talking about, and that's 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 the educational side of this. Yeah. Like you know, there was a time where where the NCA was very very adamant about kids graduating, and they held schools accountable, and they talked about graduation rates and all that other stuff. I haven't heard any of that. I haven't heard anyone talking about graduation rates. I haven't heard anyone uh, uh, say anything educational wise, education wise, on any of these kids. You got kids coming in that's been to five schools. You have kids leaving that's been to three schools and getting ready to be their fourth. You have kids coming in from, from uh, Division One schools that had to go back to junior college, and now they're going to, to, to Division One. Like, like are, these tra- are these credits transferring? 
like like are, are kids actually getting close to graduating? How do you go from, you know, there used to be a time where you would stay at one school and, and you would go play ball and they mm-hmm. still would pay for you to come back That's right. for that one year to finish up your degree. How is that happening now when you've been to four different schools? What school do you go back to to help you graduate? It just, it just seems like right now, um, you know, all basketball players have this hoop dream of playing professional ball, whether it's in the NBA or whether it's overseas. But now it seems like that hoop dream is really, really stepping over the opportunity to get an education, and no one is talking about that. And, and, and what, I'm, what, what, what I hate to see and I know is happening is these kids are declaring themselves early. They want to go play professional ball, not good enough to play in the real league, so they go play overseas. And, and then what happens is you end up going over there for, say, maybe two, maybe three, maybe a little bit more, and then you, you, you understand the – like you really don't want to do this for that long now. Mm-hmm. It's not what you thought it would be. And it's a bad thing to be playing basketball just for the fact that you think you can't do something else. And so now you lose the opportunity to get an education. And, and no one is talking about that educational component. And, 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 and we're still talking about young men. For me, we're talking about young African-American men. And so that, that educational component is very important. And if the NCAA ain't talking about it, they know exactly what they're doing. And, and, and so uh, uh, I, that, that worries me. That worries me a lot, seeing all these kids jumping in that portal and, and, and not getting their education. Coach, terrific stuff. I'm happy you brought that up because that's something we have not talked a lot about, and you're right, 100% on that. Hey, we're out of time this hour, but call us back if you can, and we'd love to keep this conversation going with you later in the week. Hey, will do. You guys take care. Thank you. You got it. Coach William Benjamin, Las Cruces High, joining us here on Sports Talk. When we come back, John Hutchinson. Hutch, uh, head coach, El Paso Locomotive FC. He'll join us in our Lubingo studios as Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. John Hutchinson is here right now. We've got Coach Hutch from El Paso Locomotive FC to talk a little bit about the club as uh, they've got a big one coming up at home this Saturday with the Oakland Roots uh, coming to town. You can get your tickets uh, up at eplocomotivefc.com. And uh, it's about a month or so into the season now. That's hard to believe also. It started on March the 12th. So here we are. We're uh, six weeks or so. Coach, welcome back. Good to see you. How you doing? Good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's, uh, it's really, I started thinking about this. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six matches already into the season. Is it? Is it something that, I mean, when we last spoke, season hadn't even started yet. And now here we are, and things are flying by already uh, through the spring. Yeah, they are. It's um, it's been a difficult start though to the season. Um, yeah, not where we expected to be at this time of year um, already. Um, but you know, we had a really good performance last home game. We did okay on the road. We we're working on our few defensive issues, but we're getting there and bringing the squad together. And um, you know, we we hit little milestones. So today was a good milestone because today was the first time. I had all 22 players that, I've, that signed for the club on the field training. So, you know, we say it's six weeks into the season. We're 14 weeks into our pre-season training, and it's the first time I've had all signed guys on the field training. So today was a good day, and the boys actually trained really well. 
that's hard to believe that you sign 22 and we have to wait until April 19th to get everybody together for a training session, which for those that uh, are not soccer aficionados, it's essentially like a practice, a workout, but it's called training. And uh, yeah, 22 for the first time. So even prior to the season starting, you never had all 22 together. No, the last week was the first time we had all 22 in the change room together, which was nice. And this is the first time we had them on the training field. So no injuries, touch wood. They're all, all fit and ready to go. And today was our, you're going to be surprised, but today was probably our best training session in six, seven weeks that we've had. The boys were fantastic. Their attitude and application. And I think playing at home is a big thing for them at the moment. You know, we had a great performance against Monterey. Um, we performed well against San Antonio. We just couldn't break them down. And playing at home again is a great thing for us. Now, I, I know you said you know, surprised about the, the workout today. Not at all. Not if you have a full house. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that the, the players themselves are probably pretty excited because they knew this was also kind of a, the first time for them too. So a lot of these guys have not had a chance to see everybody together in one uh, in one training session. How long is the average training session for you when when you get when you get a team together? Yeah, it's good today. We went about eighty minutes, um, probably ninety, including a start where they do their activation and. Again, they trained really well. We had what you want is competition for you know for positions on the weekend because that that competition will drive our standards even higher, and that's where we want to get to. And today was that day. You know, the players were really at it. We we've got players that are getting into form now that are starting to get out of the preseason mode, which is week six of a season, and we're just getting players getting through their loading. They haven't had many games, haven't played much, and it's been a really, you know, it's been a difficult start for us and not one that we expected as staff or players. Um, but when you see their attitude at the last home game against San Antonio where they never stopped believing or trying and when you watch them today at training, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We just need to start putting 90-minute performances together. Of the 22 that you had today, how many did you have in San Antonio Saturday? So we had still two injured and... Um, they weren't obviously up for selection, so they trained full today for the first time. Um, Maddie Boehner and Velasquez. So mm-hmm. having them back, experienced players again, it just helps. And it was great to have, again, it's the first time I've had the, my complete squad on the training paddock together, and that was a really nice moment for us. You know, the the competition, the way they train, the way they went about their business today, and all the coaching, all the staff were really happy. The players worked really hard and you know we've got some really good leaders in there some great young players as we know and it was a really good mix today and they I think they're really looking forward to Saturday as well so you've had 540 minutes plus of 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 tape to watch of your club so far and as you've really started to break things down and look at these games closer and closer what have you noticed as far as the performance on the pitch that has really been something that you needed to correct as far as the defensive side because offense has scored goals for the most of the season. What is it about the team defensively that you feel is has has limited you at times? Yeah, look, it starts from the front though. You know, when when we talk defense, it's not just the back four and our goalkeeper. It's we always talk about the front line helping and pitching in. So all the goals we're scoring obviously starts from the back. You know, the defenders are doing a great job building through lines and getting the ball to attacking players and let them do their do what they're paid to do and get the goals and be really happy. But I just felt at times we just were a little bit 
open, a little bit stretched, um, and then we just made key key areas. And unfortunately, when we were making those key areas, they were big mistakes, and they cost us big time. And um, again, players are just getting into it now. You know, like Yuma's now played two full games, and before that, he only played forty five minutes through whole preseason. And you can see him growing, and and he's a great leader, and he's great in the change room. The boys look at him, and then you have got Richie Ryan the same, and um, yeah, it's just it's key mistakes, which is, and then we're getting punished. And you know, we were creating chances. So Sacramento, we created four really big chances, and we didn't score one of them. You know, and and that just adds more pressure to the team. And what happens is they stop, they look at it, and they st- stop believing a little bit, like, oh, we can't do this. But then they keep a clean sheet against Monterey, concede one on the road on the weekend, and we don't score for the first time this season. Where you know we did have a couple of good chances, and you know, but coming home. We know we've had a good result there. The boys are pumped. Um, we play well at home. We play really well at home. The fans have been fantastic. And you can just see them today bubbling, ready to go. When you press as hard on offense like you do, and this is an offense that is always putting pressure on uh, opposing defenses, does that ultimately mean that those same players have to make sure that if that ball is turned over, they can fly back to the other side? Because as much as you want to pressure on the attacking zone, you got to get back if the ball gets gets turned over. Uh, you know, in uh, in in that part of the uh, pitch. Yeah, look, it's just you know we at first we we weren't dealing well with long balls. We were struggling with balls getting knocked over a head and you know we do want to play a high pressing attacking game um so you do expose people a little bit more in terms of they don't have the normal cover that they feel like they have and we've we've really worked on that really really um hard at training and you can see the players growing into it um I think the last two games you've seen a really good sample size of it now of what we can actually do defensively as a unit all together and it's obviously improving um but we we obviously had to adjust a few things as well as staff. You know, we had to adjust and look at the players and the team and see where we we could help them. You know, because it's not about the players just making the key areas. It's staff as well. Like, where can we help them? Where can we improve them from? Where can we give them more opportunity to be successful? And, that, and I think we've done that. And now we've just got to. There hasn't been a complete game yet where I look at a com- game and go, okay, that's been a complete 90-minute game. You know, the San Antonio, we've done really well for 30 minutes and then we dropped our bundle a little bit in the first half and then second half, 15 minutes, we looked really good like we're going to go on and get something from this game and then it just f- it didn't happen from there. So, you know, it's not just players, it's staff as well. I take full responsibility for the start of the season um you know we are trying to play a different brand of football to usl um there's all these stats that back that up and but the players again have been their attitude and application has been fantastic we just got to keep keep working because i know once it clicks and once we get get it going for 90 minutes we're going to be a really good team and and hopefully unstoppable Hutch, the one guy that I feel really bad for early on is Evan Newton. Because here's a guy that is one of the great goalkeepers in the history of USL. I think all-time leader in clean sheets. And someone that I know was a, was a key acquisition for you this offseason. And in the six matches he's played so far, you know, he's obviously let in uh, 14. And that's something he's not used to. And, and you know, hopefully... These last two matches, only one goal allowed, and that'll start to become more of the norm, what he's used to and, and what you start to see from, you know, from him and the rest of the club. Yeah, look, he, 
you know, he'd, he would openly admit that it was difficult at the start in terms of what his expectations were from us, you know, and people ask, like, why is Evan so high or why is Evan doing it? Because I've, we, we've told him to, you know, and he's never, and he admits he hasn't done that kind of role in his career and, you know, you play Vegas at home and they score five goals, but in those five goals, they completed 49 passes in the second half and score five goals. So it's not Evan Newton. It's, you know, it's all of us. Like, yeah. it's me as a coach in terms of the, what we expect and from the players. It's the execution of the players at key moments. It's not Evan Newton. It's everyone. So it starts from the front, whether it's Lucho or Gomez or Zacharias or Nick Hines, whoever is at the front. Starts with them and ends ends with Evan Newton. And unfortunately, the Vegas game, I don't think he could have actually saved any of them. You know, it was our our key areas, our mistakes, and as a group, and we got punished for it. We score four goals at home and lose five four. So you know, it's a tough start for him. But I think that the last two games has been great. The one in San Antonio, he made some big saves. He's shown he's he's shown who he is. And to be to be fair to the guy. Sometimes people don't go react the way he's reacted. You know, he's, he knows he was under pressure. He knows people on his back. But, you know, he's a big character. He's reacted in the right way. He's working really hard with JC. The goalkeepers have been doing a great job at training in terms of working tough and and, and taking on the responsibility of what they're doing. And, and JC and the goalkeepers deserve credit because some keepers crumble. Some people crumble human beings crumble under what Evan Newton had to deal with in terms of some of the goals that we were conceding but you know he's a big boy and he's taken it on the chin and as you said he's got he doesn't hold records because he got lucky he holds records because he's a fantastic keeper and he's only going to make us better and we're going to get better and once you know everyone again once we all improve and once we all start seeing what we're trying to create and if I could see what we for training today on the weekend it's going to be an exciting game. Our telephone number is 915-505-6009. That's 505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. Coach, let's come back. We'll talk about uh, Aron Gomez, Dylan Mares, and, and some of the really good goal performances you've seen early on from your team as they've been scoring pretty frequently. So we'll do that with Coach Hutch and uh, look forward to your phone calls as Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here as we continue, uh, Coach Hutch with us talking uh, Locomotive uh, FC, and uh, we invite your phone calls as well. 505-6009 is our telephone number, 505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, Rachel Phillips tweets the show, so unbelievably settling, turning on 600 ESPN and hearing an Aussie accent. Felt like I was home for a quick second. There you go. Rachel's done a terrific job, by the way. Part of your team and uh, for your home matches uh, there on the sideline for the telecasts. Happy for her. And I know she was really happy when she heard that uh, somebody else was from Australia that was on this club. Yeah, great. It's um, I spent some time with her driving around El Paso. She showed me around. And great girl. And she does a halftime interview with me. So I'll make sure she has to chase me. Um, make sure I walk her as fast as I can away from her so I can see her running after me. And um, no, it's good. It's, it's, it's always nice to meet new people, whether they're Australian, American, whatever. I love meeting new people, and she's no different. So early on through the first six matches, uh, you've had a couple of outstanding players. Aron Gomez has three goals. So does Dylan Mayers. Uh, they're at the lead. Harry uh, Brockbank has two. 
And then you got a whole host of players with one. Uh, I think five guys have one goal each right now in their matches. So, um, you know, Arone, Dylan, we've seen them the last couple seasons. We know what they're capable of. And it seems like they're really starting to settle into that nice role for you. Yeah, good boys. Um, really good footballers as well. Dylan Mayers is been outstanding. You know, I, I heard about his difficulties last season and he was in and out of the squad and in and out of the team, but he's a key player for me and he's shown why he's highly regarded in the league and why we have a high opinion of him at the staff as well because what he brings and what he brings to the team and his personality and the way he plays his football, he's very attacking-minded. I love that about him. He gets about his defensive work. Um, Aaron Gomez, mate, well. Wow. His work rate, his work ethic is incredible up top and he starts all our hard work defensively and, you know, him and Lucho now pressing Lucho's back and back in full training, which is great to have him back again. Um, but having them to compete and, and Lucho's a fantastic footballer as well. He's just, Lucho needs a little bit more time, unfortunately, again. And, um, you know, he's been in and out. He got injured in pre-season. Gomez got injured in pre-season as well and was out for three, four weeks and, you just see these guys getting back into form and, and playing some good football. And, you know, Aaron, the last couple of weeks has been great for us. And he's just started back. And it's like having an almost like a new player and getting him into the team. And just the competition has been fantastic for them guys. And, you know, to, again, today, Gomez and Lucho were outstanding. Coach, wanted to, you know, to, uh, expanding a little bit more on the availability, the injury aspect of, of your team right now, this is a long season. What what are some of the ways that you're looking to implement, I don't know, training methods or whatever to make sure that the guys can stay as healthy as possible for the, the duration of the season? Yeah, most of the injuries through preseason come from, like, contact, like getting kicked or that we had, we've only had one or two minor injuries in terms of our training load um Saul does a great job and Ricardo with the GPS and keeping players fit and pushing them through we you know we flew back Sunday and we had them on the training park Monday you know and that's tough for them guys you know they played 90 minutes and we're putting them back out there because they need they need the work and we need the work and there's no hiding what needs to be done like we're not sitting here saying okay let's back off my opinion is let's go harder and the injuries Unfortunately, it happened at a really poor time. At one stage in pre-season, we had 10 players and two goalkeepers, and it was a tough time for us. You know, We're trying to obviously impl- implement a new style, but you know, we have to get together faster. You know, we know that t- time's ticking, the games are ticking by. We can't keep this run up, but we have a nice little run now with home games, uh, which is really important. We've got a full squad. Um, we've still got guys that we're pushing through in terms of trying to get them more match fit and Harry Brockbank that you touched on is probably one of them he touched down the last preseason game hadn't trained for five six weeks this is almost like his end of his preseason so what we're trying to do with Harry is keep him going as much as we can he lasted 60 70 minutes in San Antonio he cramped up he had to come off Um, but that just shows where the fitness levels are of the team and you know the players won't hide behind that they need we need more fitness and we need to be stronger and but they're working hard every day. You know, they have they have a one day off this week. They're in training all the time. They're doing their extras. Um, but Ricardo Saul a key to keeping these guys in the field. You know, Saul takes care of the GPS and we do the loading. And you know, the boys had to do extra running today. But you know, it's just what we're trying to do and, and implement and trying to when you're playing at the tempo of pressing and then trying to play fast football in attack. It's it's a difficult brand of football, and we said it from the start to the players. I never hid behind the fact that this was going to be easy. 
I told them from day one, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you, tough for me. But the big thing is that we stick together and we keep working on it. And again, there's been really positive signs. That unfortunately, the the bad times have been pretty low in terms of what we can see in some goals from front to back. But you know that's changing, and you can see the boys today, especially training all together for the first time, was a, was a great day. Coach, some people think that when you arrive, you're ready to go. You're already in in, in midseason form, uh, and you've you've got everything uh, together. Doesn't work like that, especially uh, in, in in professional soccer, does it? No, well, that's what we wanted. <laughs> that would have been the ideal situation um, to have that. You know, I wanted to hit the ground running. I didn't want this start. No one wants this start. You know, it is a. All I can say is that my staff, the players, the club are working over time to get out of this you know I know El Paso hasn't as a football club hasn't had this happen to them in, in since their beginning and we didn't want it to happen we had a big turnover of players we had new staff coming from everywhere um, and it just it's just what happened you know like again we've had players late on arrival in pre-season we had loads of injuries in terms of contact injuries we you know we played teams that obviously were getting getting stuck into us and we took some took some nasty injuries at that time and I feel like that where the last two weeks we've turned a really big corner and I can see it in their attitude and application of training I can see the way they're going about their business and there's a big belief in our change room and that's driven from the change room that's driven from the guys in there the the leaders you know we got we got uh Foxy and Borelli the supplement with Richie and um Yuma and they're the, they're the big characters, and then you've got other characters in there of Evan Newton, Velasquez. People have been around Matty Boehner and done it, done it previously. That you know, you look at them, and when they're driving training and getting the boys together and making sure that we're all pushing. You know, we still got players that need to hit, need to hit form, and that's where we're at now. And again, we've turned the corner, and we need to now start producing for the fans, for the club, and most of all, the players for themselves. Sounds to me like there's no shortage of leadership on this club. No, we, we're very fortunate. You know, we've got, again, we've got two great leaders in, in our captain, vice-captain, but then underneath them they have a great support network as well. You know, today today was a good push for them. You know, the Monterey game, they wanted to push and they worked really hard and, and they got the right result. And San Antonio, we, we, we look, we worked hard and we probably a little bit toothless in attack in the final part. We stopped, we went away from what was working. Um, but that happens because... Again, at least they were trying. You know, that, that was the big thing. They were trying, we were working, and we were trying to move the ball around, and we just didn't have really any penetration into the goal. So, you know, I can see, my staff can see, the players can see that it's coming. It's just unfortunate that we're six games in, and again, it wasn't a start we wanted to have. Um, we were all very disappointed, um, but, you know, everyone's working to turn it around. We'll come back. I want to ask you also about the youngsters because you've had some academy players that have actually seen minutes and, and contributed for you this season. We'll talk about that and more as we continue with Coach Hutch and then preview the matchup on Saturday. But first, right back to Adrian in this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Again, our phone number is 505-6009 if you want to weigh in. Also, uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter as we continue right now with uh, Coach Hutch here on the show. Again, uh, three of the next four matches will be home. Very important to note, Saturday, April 23rd, this Saturday, it's the Oakland Roots SC, 7.30 kick. Then uh, against uh, London United, uh, and that's going to be 
uh, a week from Saturday with a 4 o'clock kick. Then at home, Wednesday the 4th of May for FC Tulsa, 7 o'clock. Saturday, May 7th against LA Galaxy 2, 7.30. You can get all your tickets at eplocomotivefc.com and uh, be a part of all the action as we continue. Um, something that we haven't talked about yet are uh, the academy players, the youngsters. They've seen some action in some matches this season, and you haven't been afraid to to throw some of the kids out on the pitch to see what they can do for you. Yeah, look, um, Carlos is a U19 coach, and I don't know if people saw, but he took him to Dallas for an incredible tournament that's held in Dallas, and the boys done fantastic there as well. You know, they they end up losing to the go- the team that won it. They were actually beating them until the last two minutes, and they conceded two goals, and that team went on to win it. But, you know, you, you saw there what our players are about and just getting the El Paso kids on the on the, on the big, big screen and getting them playing and seeing what they can do. So, you know, the boys we've, we've had out play, uh, obviously we started a Barker, uh, 16 years old. We threw him out there and told him the day before he was going to start and... You know, we had four players away international duty that time and few injuries. So, you know, these these kids need a bit of luck, and that's what he got. You know, he was ready to step in. He trained well. He's been training well through preseason. Trained well leading up to that game, and he actually played really well. You know, there was no expectation on him. I said, mate, just go out and play and enjoy yourself and help the team. Obviously, we had structure and help the team out, and he did a good job. He held his own for a long period of time. You know, the game obviously got a little bit fast for him when he got tired, and we we t- we brought him off. But Noe Catino as well, young striker or well, young eighteen. He's still he's still a baby to me, and sure, um, done a great job. He's come on. He's come on and and fought really hard up at the top line and pressured players and you know there are other players in in our sites that we we will give minutes to this season it's just at the right time and you know we don't give them because they don't deserve it they need to deserve it and they'll come back into our training environment um when when the time's right once they get over this Dallas trip um and there's other boys there Joel Maldonado is a good boy and working hard Villa Gomez is, is another player that you know, we can look for, and there's, there's some young players, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds that we're just keeping nice and quiet, working away, and, you know, hopefully they can, whether it's off the bench or starting, they can get some minutes this season and just experience it and then see where that takes them. You know, it's crazy to think that you have players that are twice as old as some of the players you're talking about right now on the roster, but you do. But then again, last year, Diego Luna was 18 and doing what he's doing. So truth is, is that you can always get that special phenom when they're 17, 18 years old or 16, like you talked about. And all of a sudden, they come in and, and take take the league by storm. Yeah, Diego last season obviously done really well. This year, he started well. Um, obviously, it's been difficult for Diego Luna in terms of he's gone away twice with the national team. Um, so he's, he was in, he went away, he came back, he went away again, he came back. And, you know, he's he's a great kid. I think at the moment he probably just has a little bit too much of the expectation on himself. He's got to remember he's just a baby, you yeah. know, and he's got to play with the freedom. That's the kind of player we want. When he's up and Adam and playing with freedom and the love of football that he has, that's when he's at his best, you know. And he's dragging along these young kids. The young kids see him playing in the academy and there's no reason why they can't play. If they're the best player and they train the best and they're in the best form, they play. 
Coach, I know you weren't here last uh, season or the season before, but one of the former Locomotive FC players in Memo Diaz actually plays for Oakland, and he'll be making his trip back to El Paso. Has anybody in the club talked about this at all, or are you guys aware of this, of this uh, I guess, hookup or, or uh, meet uh, meetup right here on Saturday? Yeah, look, I've, I haven't spoken about it in with the staff or anything. I'm aware of the player. Um, obviously, we try to look at our own as well and see – you know how they're doing, and if we, if there's a chance to bring them back, if they're doing really well, and if not, then we, you know, we wish them well. But maybe this Saturday we don't wish him well. But you know, we, it'd be nice to, it'd be nice for him, I guess, a nice really moment coming back and playing at El Paso, and you know, it's great. What we want to try to create is pathways for players, whether it's through El Paso or they go to a different club and create a pathway, or they go to college, and and that way, or they go overseas because. We have talented footballers here. We just want to create a pathway where they can be successful, whether it's here or somewhere else. And, you know, obviously we want them to be successful here and then move on to bigger and better things. And if not, then we wish them the best. And maybe not this said that, as I said, though. I look at the games, the matches you have over the next uh, you know, four contests, and really they're all winnable. I mean, they're not going to be easy tests by any stretch, but you look at who you're playing and, and where they're sitting, they're either in the middle of the table right now in the east or the west, um, or they're in, towards the bottom. So the good news for you is it's just a matter of time. All it takes is one, then two. Next thing you know, you start getting on a nice little win streak, shoot up the, uh, shoot up the table, and everything changes as far as uh, where this club is headed. Yeah, look, it's a great club. Really happy here. Um, wouldn't change my decision of coming to El Paso. The the people involved, Alan and Andrew from the top to the front staff, really happy, happy with the players and my staff and in terms we are. And you know, it's one game at a time for us at the moment. You know, we we know we've had a rough start to the season. Um, no one needs to tell us that. We we're very well aware and. I think that some of them games we should have won, though. You know, I thought we, we dominated in possession. We dominated the game. We just got punished the wrong time from the, our key mistakes. And I think, the, again, the last two games we've turned that corner. And when we're playing these teams, you can see now there's there's a difference. You know, the obviously getting knocked out in the Open Cup wasn't ideal. And it was a low point for us. Um, a lot of soul-searching going on. Um, it was tough. It was a tough game. And it was tough we played Sunday Tuesday but you know we did expect more from that as well and that was kind of a point where we was like okay what are we doing and where do we need to go and we obviously came together and the best thing I can say right now is you can see the players fighting you know and you know they want to get out of this they they believe and they can and as you said one game turns to two games, we get on a roll. If we get on that roll and we're playing the attacking and pressing game that we want to play and we're going to be hard to play against. I think teams have struggled to play against us. We've just coughed up silly goals at silly times. Are you a big speech guy as a coach or do you just pretty much let the the, the leaders lead and, and let their actions do the talking? Yeah, I don't mind having a little... Obviously, we do a game video two hours before and I don't mind having a little chat to them. But, you know, sometimes it's not about football. It could be about life. It could be about... A story, it could be personal that I tell them. And, you know, it's people get motivated through different ways, whether it's a motivational chat, whether it's training, whether it's whatever. And what we try to do is touch on all those little moments so we can motivate our full team. But the key for the players is that they motivate themselves. You know, 
they, they're the ones that have to go out and do the game plan. They're the ones that have to make the decisions on the field. We can show them and help them and give them a style of play, which I think they're executing pretty well. Um, you know, I think what we're trying to create is, is a good brand of football, and I think people see that. Um, we just need it all to come together. But the players are the ones, you know. We, we as staff try to give them something that's going to be successful, um, but they're the ones that can motivate themselves and get it going. We're there to obviously help them and harness and give them our stories and making sure that they understand our expectations. And, you know, again, we're very fortunate in El Paso to have some really good leaders. I'm excited for you. I think the next time we chat, we're going to be talking about a, a team that's uh, flying high right now. And uh, everything I've been able to get from the uh, 40 minutes or so we've spent together is that you're seeing things uh, that are changing. You're seeing a healthy squad. You're seeing a complete squad. You're getting the home uh, the home field that you've been waiting for, and now uh, just a great opportunity. Hopefully the fans get on board because, tell you right now, you need the 12th man. That's uh, really what it's all about. Yeah, they've been great, though, even through you know the tough times that we had where we lost the first, like the opening games. And I know they their expectation is obviously higher, but they're still turning up. They're still supporting the players and, you know, what I'm, what I'm really lucky and grateful for is that, you know, when they're angry, they, they express that because that means they care. They care about the football club. They care about us as, as players and staff. And, you know, the one thing I want to make sure is that that doesn't stop because them showing that they care for this makes us want to drive even more because that's what you want. You, I'd rather see the fans be upset and, <laughs> and express that then they just ah, who cares and we'll just roll on to next week because that's not what we do. We, you know, we obviously process what's just happened and seeing the fans care and believe in the team and wanting better, that makes us want to be better as well. I feel like uh, soccer supporters have a type of loyalty that's just different than all other sports, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. And that's what I'm saying. That's why when they're, when they're booing us off the field, yeah, it's not nice at the time, but... It, it, they care for for the club. They care for the you know. We're not just playing for locomotive. We're playing for El Paso. You know, we're playing for this region. We're playing for yes, the club, but it's a big region. You know, it's a region that deserves and 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 has done really well. And we want to be a part of that. Like at the end of the season, we want to leave a memory. And what would that memory be? Well, hopefully, it's a positive memory, and hopefully, we can give the fans something to cheer cheer about in the next few home games. Appreciate it, Coach. Great to see you today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back here real soon. Appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. John Hutchinson, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back, wrap up Hour 2, and look ahead to our third and final hour right here on 600 TSPN El Paso. 6 o'clock hour, we're jumping right back to UTEP basketball because you've had a lot of good interaction on Twitter from people, on the phones as well. And, yeah, we're not we're not just going to drop that topic. We, we gave it a little bit of a break. Bring Coach Hutch on to talk a little uh, loco uh, action because we haven't had Coach on since the season started. So I'm happy we got him back today. That was good. It was good for us, good for him, good for everybody involved. But uh, definitely want to uh, get back to the topic at hand, which is UTEP basketball. If you're just joining us, Keontae Kennedy went into the portal today, and so did Shea Evans. By the way, um, some people out there are looking at what happened to UTEP and believing that there's a problem within the program. I'll talk more about this in the 6 o'clock hour. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I really don't. Nothing to do with that. It's happening everywhere. Everywhere around college basketball. It is. Everybody's losing tons of guys. That's just that. That's just the facts. And 
when we come back in our 6 o'clock hour, I'm going to lay it out for you in a manner in which you're not going to look at this as a, as a UTEP apologist talking or somebody delusional. I am going to try to make this the most common sense approach to what has happened involving this team that you can get. So that by the time the show ends, you at least have a little more understanding to where you don't believe that Joe Golding has lost the program, the sky is falling on UTEP, you know, um, it's never going to recover. I don't want you to feel like that. I just want you to understand that college basketball has changed and the basketball you've known and watched is dead. And there's going to be a new a new basketball in college. And and you're going to have to get used to it because it's the way it's going to be with everybody. So we'll do that. We begin hour number three, Sports Talk right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Final hour underway. This is Sports Talk. He's Adrian. I'm Steve. Coming your way together, 600 ESPN El Paso. It's been a busy show. We're going to keep it going. We're going to continue the topic uh, that we began the show with, which is UTEP, the portal, the team, the roster, everything that uh, it involves. But before we get to that, I want to tell you, folks, that... um, Number one, super excited about the NFL Draft Show that's going to be broadcasting on location from Vegas next Thursday and Friday. We're hitting the road, everybody. Hitting the road. we got so many great sponsors lined up, beginning with the Window Depot. They're our presenting sponsor. Window Depot offers the best price and biggest inventory for your next home remodel project. Happy to have Window Depot on board with us. But there are so many more people making this possible, and that's the beauty of it. Everybody's stepping up in a big way. In fact, 915 Tours, Clean Water of El Paso, Taco Avocat, Palo Verde Homes, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, Longhorn Distributing. And by the way, we're not done Adrian, we've got more sponsors as well. That's not the whole list, is it? No, Steve, we've got some more on our end as well. The Window Depot coming in as well. They're coming in clutch because uh, what the Window Depot does is they bring you the best prices and the biggest inventory. You can browse more online and shop online at thewindowdepot.com. Yeah, exactly right. So we're very excited about that and uh, super happy with our, uh, our our clients coming on board for us. And, and we're going to have more to add, by the way. We're not done yet. I think... Uh, by the time this trip is uh, finished, we're going to have uh, more sponsors than we've ever had before. That's for sure. Um, so that's uh, Thursday, Friday next week. We'll be broadcasting on location from Caesars. Where the draft is going to be held will be in the NFL broadcast area and uh, the media area. And uh, are we going to be next to ESPN and the NFL Network? No. Um if Pat Mack, if he makes the trip, could we be next to him? Sure, we could. You never know. Or any other national host. Um, I don't, you know, because this is our first ever broadcast from the NFL draft. I don't know 
how many local markets are taking the trip versus the networks. That's going to also be the fun part about this because, you know, when we used to do this for uh, boxing in Delahoya, there was always the big cities. New York, L.A., Dallas, San Francisco, Houston, um, Chicago, the National Networks, El Paso. We were the only um, market that was not a, a top 25 market that was at every Delahoya fight, broadcasting live. Everyone. So this is interesting. I am fascinated to see who's going to be in Vegas next Thursday, Friday, broadcasting the show live like we're going to be doing. It's going to be fun. You, you okay doing a one-bite review with uh, Dave Portnoy if he makes a trip? <sighs> Do I have to review his uh, particular no, no. or just the Vegas a good, An actually good pizza, not, not his pizza. Are you a big Portnoy guy? No, not at all. Okay, good. Yeah, not a Portnoy guy. I, I didn't know if you're uh, if you're like a big fan. Or something I like, like some that. of the Barstool Network, but not not uh, him at all. I, I like right. uh, part of my take. That's about it. Oh, there you go. All right, that's fine. Um, it's gonna be fun. I mean, I, I'll just tell you this. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, how can I put this? We've I did this so long ago. Here's a name for the past, folks. Papa Joe Chevalier. Papa Joe Chevalier and I were next to each other at a fight, and we broadcasted next to each other back when he was doing uh, Sports Fan Radio Network. That's how far back we go. I'm going to date myself 25 years ago. It's nice. I like it. Good references from the 90s. Peter Brown. We shared a cab in Vegas. Um, I got a better one for you. In L.A., I broadcasted right next to, oh, let's see if, uh, if I get this right, JT the Brick. So, do you know any of these names no, or no? No, don't know any of these. Great. They're old-time sports radio guys back in the day. That's what they were. Nice. Okay. Before before your time, Adrian. It's, but now you get a chance to see all the new people that are going to be with us this time. Yeah, I, I can't, can't wait. wait. I'm, I'm really pumped for this. Uh, we, we're getting geared up uh, this week as well, Steve. Yeah, it's There's a lot of great people who are joining us for the draft. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun next week. All right, look. Um, great tweets coming in all day today. Mark Ponce, Blues Crasher, Yukon uh, Sugandiz, also in on that. I like that. Booty Mac, Fernie, Rudy Salcedo, Miss Stephanie, Nancy Mendez. Everybody getting in on that. It's been a lot of fun. We're going to read all these tweets and, and, and address some of the topics from the first hour. But we've got a caller uh, on the line right now as well. Gilbert, who's been hanging on after the news. Hey, Adrian, I pulled up last uh, last season's men's roster. Fifteen were on the roster. A couple walk-ons, scholarship players. Now we're down to three from this past season that are still on board. No, that's exactly right. Kevin Kalu, Jamari Sibley, Zarek Onyema. Those are the three, the lone trio who stuck around for the minors. We'll talk more about it in a moment. Uh, I want to. I want Adrian to read an incredible message that he was able to get uh, courtesy of um, Gilbert. Is this same Gilbert? Yeah, this is actually phone? same Gilbert. Let's, oh, really? Yeah, maybe we should do this on the phone. Oh, good. Let's uh, Okay. Gilbert, welcome. Leading off our final hour. And if you don't mind, Gilbert, if you can kind of relay your message that Adrian uh, had messaged me to our listeners, I'd like to uh, definitely go with that. And, and that's how we'll start this conversation off. Okay, Gilbert? Sure. Okay. I had a conversation with uh, Adrian uh, 
on the eighth on the eighth day of this month, and I told him, you know, uh, things don't look all that good. It doesn't smell good around here. Just we, I've got a bad taste in my mouth regarding all the departures, and yeah. they're leaving as we speak. So fast forward to uh, today, we lost another two. Uh, you know, and and let me be perfectly clear with you, and and so you can understand that I know the nuances of the game. These three guys, the, the three guys that we lost that we could ill afford to lose are Boom, Kennedy, and the enemy. That's it. The other guys, mm, you know, not, not, not so hot. Come on, let's call it what it really is, guys. Okay, if you were in New York City and you were discussing sports, they would rake these guys over the coals. I understand we're a mid-major and all that good stuff. But anyway, we're not so naive here in El Paso. Listen. Something's wrong with with the internal going on goings on with uh, uh, Golding. Like I love Golding. He brought us a twenty game season, a uh, first time up. But uh, maybe they just don't like his style of basketball. These players, maybe they collectively got together and said we're going to leave on mass, mm-hmm. and they did, mm-hmm. and they are. And, and the one that really bothers me is Che Evans. This guy didn't set foot, so why is he leaving? You know, another thing. Uh, you know, I understand that the bottom isn't falling out of the program and all that. Again, I'm not so naive. I just what I don't like is the lack of loyalty that we get from coaches that come in here. You know, we are a mid major, but what what you should do is either pay these guys to stay and lock them in, and if you have to pay them whatever it takes, uh, you know, whatever it takes to keep them here. And I'm talking about the coaches because yeah. uh, the only one that's ever stayed because he loved the city was Haskins. Uh, um, Golding's going to leave here in the next year or two. If he enjoys another 20-game season, he's probably gone. So loyalty only runs one way. It's not reciprocal around here. You guys know this, and I know this. So, you know, all I'm saying is that don't, you know, UTEP shouldn't be out there asking people to go to their games and go to their games and come on, you guys, our stands are empty and all that. Well, that's the reason they're empty, because we're not all so naive. You know, we, you know, we, you know, okay, we would now, like to now, now, Gilbert, let me ask you this. Okay, first off, how many years have you been a UTEP fan? <laughs> Since I was 12 years old and I'm 66 now. All right, so you've been, you've been a fan for over 50 plus. I got that, all right? Yeah. I got that. Um, you've, got, uh, you've, you've got about 17 years on me. All right. Um, but I've been a fan since I moved here. So that was what, um, 44 years ago. Okay. So a little, a little behind you. So I, I get it, but we're in the same ballpark here. We're in the same ballpark. So, um, let me say this. All right. And, and, and no disrespect. I don't think you're delusional. I are, or, or we don't, we don't, we're not trying to make excuses. That's the first thing. First things foremost. Okay. We're not trying to make excuses, but let me dissect it to you during this call. And maybe you'll feel a little differently when we're done talking. Okay. Cause this is exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm happy you called in right on point. All right. Number one, 15 players on the roster from last season, three right. are back. Okay. Three are back. Mm-hmm. Now of the three, two of them were Joe Golden guys. The only Rodney Terry guy was uh, uh, Z, uh, Zarek Onyema, who was a Rodney Terry recruit, okay? So everybody else, uh, the two of the other guys are Sibley and uh, Kalu, and those are Golding. Okay. Now, let's get to uh, the first thing, which is the portal. All right. Um, Last season, Bryson Williams opted to go into the portal and transfer rather than play for Joe, okay? Um, He obviously made the right choice. He went to Texas Tech. I'm sure he was financially compensated very nicely thanks to the NIL, which suddenly makes paying players legal if you do it that way. 
And he right. went to the Sweet 16 and was a right. first-team All-Big 12 player. Okay? That's correct. That Right. Now, um, Sule Boom, Titus Verhoeven, Christian Agnew, Keontae Kennedy, um, uh, all in the portal. All right? All in the portal. They were all teammates of Bryson Williams. They saw what Bryson was able to do last season, probably financially and advancing to the NCAA tournament. Okay? Sule gave UTEP three seasons. So did Titus. So did Agnew. So did Kennedy. Okay? All of them. Three seasons here at UTEP. And they all graduated, which means they could all transfer out as graduate students. Now, we know that right now UTEP is in its infancy when it comes to NIL. We have not seen uh, an NIL established yet to keep uh, players and try to attract new ones with financial compensation the way all the other high majors uh, and some mid-majors have. Am I correct with that? You're correct. Now, how, how do you explain uh, Gizzard, Gizzard, Gizzard? Okay, let me, get, let, me get to, let me get to the rest. Let me get to the rest, okay? So, <laughs> now, now, now here's, here's the thing, Gilbert. Here's the thing, okay? So, you got your roster of players. Some of them, and, and, and then you have guys on scholarship like Keza Giffa, mm-hmm. Emmanuel White, Bonky Maring, um, that of those four, are, or those three, I should say, you know that they're kind of taking up a scholarship, and ultimately, yep. you're not going to win with them. You're just right. not. You're not right. going to win with them. So, so what do you do? So my question is this. What do you do if you're coach, Gilbert? Do you tell them, listen, if you stay, you're not going to get many minutes. You're not going to probably play. Um, but if you want to see more time and more playing time, hey, listen, we can help you go into the portal, help you get to another school, help you get a bigger role someplace else. So in those cases, what do you do? Do you keep them and tell them you're not no. going to play? Or do you, no, you tell them, or you tell them, go to the portal. We'll help you out, and we'll help you get a bigger role someplace else. Okay, we're on a good roll. This is great. You know what? What about Jay Evans? Okay, great answer. Great question. Great question. Play. Let's talk Jay. Okay, here's here's the Shea, here's the Shea Evans story. Here's the Shea Evans story. Shea All comes right. to UTEP late last year. Does not take up a scholarship, and instead enrolls at the school, practices with the team. And ultimately, the decision was, hey, we'll evaluate you for a couple of months. We'll see how you do. And if things go well, we'll add a scholarship. We'll give you a scholarship. We'll give you a chance. So let's say Shea Evans comes here, works out for three months. Coaches decide, you know what? This is not going to work. He's a project, doesn't play defense the way we need him to. We don't know if this is going to work scholarships are key right now. we got to be really careful who we have. We can't afford to miss again. So you don't have him on scholarship. He spends a couple of months here, and you sit down with Shay and you decide, listen, Shay, we appreciate you being here, but ultimately, you know what? Just, again, not going to get a lot of minutes. You have uh, the, There's a lot of things that we, we need that you can't do yet, and ultimately, we don't know what your role is going to be anytime soon. So right. Shay, so so Shay decides. You know what? I never got a scholarship at UTEP. I can go into the portal. I can transfer someplace. Be immediately eligible. Go on scholarship and get, and get another chance. And so another suddenly, chance. so suddenly, there's Shay Evans. Okay. So there's the yep. Shay situation. Now yep. let's talk about Sule Verhoeven, 
Agnew and Kennedy. Okay, we're not talking Bienemy. Bienemy's going pro. He's not in the portal. Different situation. Jamal's played four years as a starter and has decided he wants to get paid. Whether it's the G League or Europe, hey, listen, you did great things at UTEP. God bless Jamal Bienemy. I love him. But if he's going to try to make a living, nobody's going to stop him from doing that. Okay, so Bienemy goes pro. That's the first domino to fall before everybody else. But Sule Boom, going to go high major. Titus Verhoeven could very well be a high major. We hear there's a high major after him right know. now, okay? I don't Chris, know about that. Well, I'm just telling North you. Northwestern's talking North, about Northwestern's him. after him, and Northwestern's well, in the Big Ten. Might not, not be. Well, he uh, listen. Shoot, uh, he can't shoot a mid-range jumper to save his life. Gilbert, not the point. Not the point. Not the point here, okay? So let's just say UTEP meets with Titus Verhoeven and tells Titus, we see you as a five. And Titus says, I see myself as a four. Well, there's a problem right there, right? Titus yep. wants to score as a four. UTEP sees him more as a rim protector as a five. Well, if That's Titus, it, listen, not a but right, so he goes in the portal. You're, you see, yep. what I'm what I'm telling you, Gilbert, is you're able to see through all these situations and understand that this is not Joe Golding losing the control of the program. This is not, yeah, I, you, you know. I just thought there might be some internal no. stuff going on there and that they collectively got together and just no. didn't like his rah-rah style and stuff. I do. No, I love zero. It. zero. There was actually zero in that regard. Zero. What it well, is is some guys have an extra year of eligibility, Gilbert, and they want to get paid. They want to go someplace where, A, they got a chance to make the NCAA tournament, which would be tough here, but they know they can go someplace else, and, B, they can cash in on some of that NIL money because they've got one year left to do it, unless you're Keontae Kennedy, and then you got two years, and you want to try to get some NIL dollars. So, I mean, Jamari Rice, Jamari Rice just went to Texas today. He, you th- yeah, he's yeah. going to get paid, guaranteed. Yeah. He put an emoji of a smiling face with dollars on his tongue. What do you think that yeah. means? So, of course, yeah, he knows well, he's getting NIL dollars. Yeah, so there'll be a few guys that, that earn some money, but for the most part, we're looking at probably boom. Because uh, I'm pretty sure the enemy's probably going to have to play in Europe or somewhere. I, I doubt the kid's ready, and I and I certainly don't think uh, uh, is going to play pro ball. So uh, all told, we're looking at probably Boom that'll get a real good look from the NBA and stuff. But yep. that's about it. But you got to but you got to but you got to understand something, okay? But you got to understand everybody's different, okay? Boom, yep. wa- Boom could have stayed. Boom liked UTEP. Boom wants to live in El Paso when he's done playing ball. Boom loves it here. Same with Biennemi. Absolutely. Same with Biennemi. But they also know they got one shot at this, and they're going to take it. Um, Christian Agnew wasn't happy because he wanted more shots. Now, uh, Christian Agnew was— I'm from another era. Well— And I'm from another era, and you know what? Okay, but that's the problem, Gilbert. That's the problem. Loyalty meant a lot. But but here's the thing. There's there's no loyalty. Gilbert, there's no loyalty anymore. And here's the worst part, okay? The worst part is this, Gilbert. College basketball, the way you've watched it your whole life, has has changed. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, we're in a new era of college basketball. And you're and and the hardest part about it, Gilbert, is you gotta build year to year because you don't know who's gonna stay and who's gonna go. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're going to lose uh, Golding, too, to the same kind of stuff, dollar signs. And, and you know, and that's what's, what's going to happen. We're, we're going to lose him like we've lost everybody else except Haskins. Now, you know, let, let's, let's talk the real talk. 
I wasn't crazy about Haskins' defensive style of basketball. I was not crazy about it then. I'm not crazy about it now. I respected the guy for what he did for 66 and all that good stuff. But at least he he loved the city enough to forego the big dollars. Because he had opportunities. He had an opportunity to go to University of Detroit right after the NCAA championship year. So, you know, he understood loyalty. Gilbert, at, at Don least, Haskins is one in a million. Let me ask you this. Where, 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 where did you work all your years, Gilbert? What did you do for a living? I worked for, the, uh, for Amtrak. Okay, if, if you worked for Amtrak in El Paso and suddenly uh, a competing train company said to you, Gilbert, I'm going to triple your salary if you move. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay in El Paso or are you going to go for three times the money? Well, I don't know. You know, we're all tethered to our family and to our jobs and stuff. I'd give it a good look and stuff, but at the end of the day, I don't know. I really can't give you a definitive answer because I do not know what I would do because I do love El Paso. I dig it, especially in this day and age of all the division that we have in this country and stuff. Are you kidding? I'm insulated here in El Paso. Mexican-American guy, uh, love it here. I don't want to go up to uh, North Dakota and stuff and and get lynched or anything? Are you kidding? Now we're getting into something else. No, I want to keep away from the politics. But I'm I'm just trying to explain to you that when teams are off, when schools are offering coaches multi, you know, you're going to get a $10 million package over five years. You're set for life, and you're making $600,000 at another school. How do you say no to those dollars, Gilbert? You can't do that. Yeah, well, anyway, and you're right. I'll concede to you this, that you're right about one Maybe two of these young men, but the rest of them, they're not going to get any, they're not going to get solicited or, 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 or recruited by anybody for money and stuff. Guys like Keza Giffa, Emmanuel White, guys like that, on and on, the young man that was a, a walk-on, they're not going to get anything. Why would you leave? You, you know what? You, you, you Listen, you're not given a choice. You're, you're leaving because even if you're not, you yeah. might go small school. You might rather be a big fish in a small pond than be a little fish in a bigger pond. I guess so. I guess so. Listen, you've given me a lot of time, and I really appreciate you. Hope to talk to you again. I'll let you uh, talk to some of these other guys. I love minor basketball. I love UTEP. I'm not anti-UTEP. I, I'm just so frustrated that all these kids are leaving. It's a different world we live in. I understand it fully well. All I can do is just shrug my shoulders and say, you know what? That's the way IT is. Appreciate you, Gilbert. Thanks for the call. Thanks for hanging in there. Great job. I gave Gilbert more time than I'd probably given any caller in the history of this show, but I had to, Adrian, because here is a 50-plus-year minor fan who's fed up and frustrated, but I want to make sure that at least he understands the situations regarding all these departures. Yeah, there's a lot to understand here. I get it with, with uh, the ever-changing landscape of college basketball. Hard to keep up, but uh, he's a very smart person. Gilbert knows his, his college basketball. He knows his UTEP basketball. He's not fooled by anything. He's calling it like it is, and uh, yeah, it was a great phone call. I think it, I think it uh, allowed us to uh, relay a lot of points that we kind of had in, in the back of our heads. 24 pass. Almost through the show. It's incredible. Come back with more right after Charlie in traffic. 28 past the hour. What do we not cover during that call uh, with Gilbert? There's a lot. I mean, we still have to, you know, the the fact that we, we had brought this up earlier, Steve, but 
college coaches have a chance to depart at any point that they'd like and, and go off and, and get off, get hired like we you mentioned. Another thing to be mentioned there is extra create like college kids. Just take it in layman's terms. College kids who do extracurricular activities like music, choir, band, whatever. They can go off to another school, be instantly eligible. So those who say, well, no, you have to trim down or, or put on some restrictions on the transfer portal. Well, other college kids can move at free will with transfer portal and stuff like that and it's a risk you go off in the transfer portal risking that you're not that you might not find another school or the next school might not be the best opportunity for you there are nine in the portal from UTEP of the nine I believe Clardy is the only walk-on okay uh because I think Emmanuel White did have a scholarship so I think there's nine in the portal one walk-on and of the nine Six are Rodney Terry guys, three are Joe Golden guys. And you want to know something? They whiffed on Bonky Maring. They whiffed on Kezagifa. They did. They whiffed on him, meaning they struck out. They they brought him in and they didn't they didn't turn into what they thought they were going to be. Um Jarrell Satterfield is the only recruit. Now, I thought Jarrell um was off to a great run, and then all of a sudden, last uh, you know, last six weeks, so uh, you know, as you're starting to see the emerge the reemergence of Keontae Kennedy. Uh, Satterfield went cold, and that was one that I wasn't expecting to leave in the portal, but Adrian, I understand it. Maybe both sides I do right now, but you know, a lot of those guys are Rodney guys, and they stuck it out for a year. They've got their one year left, and, and or two years in Kennedy's case, and they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah, and UTEP basketball also lost an associate head coach in Butch Pierre, who That's recruited right. a lot of these guys, and who, uh, you know, he was the lead recruiter for the Miners last year. He goes off to Wichita State over this offseason, and that's that right there with Butch Pierre. So some of those guys who entered the portal, you, you know, you're not even taking that into consideration right there. They could be leaving because uh, an assistant coach that they felt was, uh, was their guy ended up leaving the program. So that could also be a reason right there. Esteban tweets the show, the portal is raising everyone's blood pressure. Um, yes, but it's not just here. It's everywhere. I asked, I asked Greg Heyer on Thursday night, the new head coach in New Mexico State, I go, how many scholarships you've got so far to give out? As of Thursday, his answer was nine. Nine scholarships out of 13 to fill. And that's just because, you know, Jan's just left. And his whole team's in the portal. Same deal, Adrian. Same exact situation that he's going through. Yeah, and it's up to – now, like, if you want to knock coaches for uh, missing out on recruits, that's fine. But I think the real thing that you should do right now is uh, hold coaches accountable to bring the best talent available, including UTEP, including New Mexico State, whatever a team you're a fan of. And I'll give another good example. I gave the example for UAB earlier today, how they got the, the really uh, high-level transfer from LSU. Well, Dante Allen left Kentucky to go to Western Kentucky, Stephen. That's somebody who's like uh, like a household name for what he did in, in uh, Kentucky hoops at the high school level, Dante Allen, and yeah. now he's going to play with the Hilltoppers in the Conference USA level. It's a great example. Great example. Bottom of the hour, let's get to one last Sports Center update. Here he is, Adrian with the latest. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, by the way, there are 1,400-plus players in the portal. 1,400-plus. How many schools are there in Division One college basketball? Yeah, not enough. Not enough for all those players. Yeah, it's a lot of players. A lot of a lot of players who are going to have to hit the JUCO route, the community college route, Division Two, II, Division Three. Uh, there's simply not enough uh, Division One schools for these guys. Here is Dick Vitale's tweet last uh, last night, 
And uh, this is courtesy of Chris Banks. Thank you, Chris, for sending this our way. Um, last night, Dickie V tweeted, uh, tweeted out, pathetic what the transfer portal is doing to college sports. How is this chaos and cheating going on great lessons for young people to develop values needed for the game of life? Quitting slash lack of loyalty is what is happening. Traits that destroy people as they face the real world. Then he followed it up with, um, please don't sicken me with the wacky argument that over 1,400 players transferring equates to about 50 coaches leaving. Whining that coaches don't sit versus players is solved easily by the, um, I guess the V, uh, the was it the um, Division One rule where coach leaves, player should be allowed to leave without sitting. End of story. So, uh, Vital is essentially trying to say that the portal is not the same as uh, as coaches uh, being able to leave. There's a generation gap in a big way in regards to the portal. We've heard it on this show. We're seeing it all over social media. You poll young fans and you just ask them, what do you think about uh, the transfer portal? Most young college basketball fans will say they have no problem with it. They'll say that they find the fact that it gives college athletes a lot of empowerment, I guess, uh, to be a beneficial thing. And they, they're supportive of that. And most younger fans aren't fans of universities or specific teams. They jump with players and players. Players. They like certain players, and they'll latch on to them. Now, if you ask the older generation, they're simply going to shake their head. They're going to say, this is a trend. This is a lack of loyalty, a lack of commitment. Uh, to older fans, It's going to. they're going to argue and say, back in my day, athletes showed grit. They showed loyalty and stuff like that. So there's a huge generational gap here when we're talking about the transfer portal argument. Oh, there is. There absolutely is. And some can relate, some can't. Um, but just understand, this is the, this is the new for the, the new norm until they start to make changes. Which who knows if it's going to happen and to what effect? This these are uncharted waters that every school in the country is having to navigate through, including UTEP. Yeah, if you want to come at me and say it's only happening to UTEP or why is this happening year after year? Well, it happens everywhere year after year. It's the it's just the facts. It is. It absolutely is. So anyway. Um, you know, they've got they've got seven on the roster right now. They've signed four. They have three carryovers, which means they have 13 scholarships left at 13 spots. But, you know, they'll probably carry two walk-ons. So maybe we'll get to 15. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. You can't uh, discredit anybody, any, anybody who has local ties. That's another thing that you got to keep in mind. Anybody that they might find out of the junior college ranks who they want to develop and that's get right. into their system, that, that happens all the time. And on top of all this, Steve, they are hosting recruits. They hosted recruits last weekend. They're hosting recruits this weekend. They are. They might be hosting recruits tomorrow for all we know. Sure. Who knows how that's going to work. But I mean, you know, and and so we'll keep an eye on how things go. And and again, I think we'll have a lot of answers, a lot of clarity in the next eleven days when uh, that May first deadline hits. As far as the portal goes, that's for sure. I yeah, really do. I'm with you on that. All right. Before we go to break, I want to tell you a little story about uh, Angel and Jerisley. You know, they knew they were going to be deploying soon, so they wanted to sell their home on the far east side of El Paso and rent until they deployed. So here's what they did. They listed their home with Brian Birds and his team and had it under contract in just a few short weeks for top dollar. Man, they were happy with all the work the team put in to the sale and how they made sure Angel and Jerisley were taken care of. Now remember, to achieve top dollar for your home like they did, you got to have that agent who can create an auction-like effect. With buyers competing for your home and driving up the price, 
Hello, Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. You know, in the El Paso area, there's often lots of delays to getting a home sold with timelines not being met by appraisers, lenders, builders, and other vendors. But no matter what the obstacle is, Brian and his team, the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty, know how to get it done. Give them a call today. Official agent of UTEP. El Paso Locomotive FC in the Rhinos. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian and start packing.